the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888 now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Good morning, Gloria America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. Hugh Hewitt, live in California this morning, joined by former Secretary of State of the United States, the Honorable Mike Pompeo. Good morning, Mr. Secretary. Welcome back to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Good morning, Hugh. It is great to be back with you. Thank you for joining me. Just to set the stage for those who have not heard anything and been in a cave for a day, on Wednesday, President Biden, at an infamous now press conference, said two things I'd like you to comment on. First, cut number 42. I'm not so sure that he has uh, David, I'm not so sure he has uh, is certain what he's going to do. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. And then cut number 43. So oh, I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. They have been trying desperately to clarify this, Secretary Pompeo, since he uttered those two sentences. What did you make of the press conference? What do you make of its aftermath? Well, Hugh, more importantly than what I think, I think uh, President Zelensky spoke to this very directly. There are no minor nations. There are no minor incursions uh, to have said that, to have said that out loud, whether there were discussions in the background, probably with the Germans, about how we were going to respond, given the nature of what Vladimir Putin might do. I, I understand those conversations, but to, to have done this, it's more than green light. It, it tells the world that the United States is not prepared to do the things that it has already promised to do, let alone making additional promises. Right? We, we have this commitment. We've told the Ukrainians we'll do the things we can to do to defend them and to say, well, there, there are minor incursions and we may not be able to get this done is truly concerning. Uh, Vladimir Putin, I think, knew this already. In some sense, he wasn't enlightening Putin. I think he knew that President Biden has demonstrated his unwillingness to defend the things that the Trump administration did, and we've lost the deterrence model that we had for four years. But it was really quite something to hear a president of the United States say that uh, the former KGB agent, leader of Russia, an authoritarian dictator who has already moved into Kazakhstan, Belarus, into the Donbass, has room to grow and room to expand on his old Warsaw Pact network was really quite something. And I think the world took note. You can be sure that the Ukrainian people did. Now, Mr. Secretary, this is your world from the CIA and the State Department and not the world of me or my listeners. Does Vladimir Putin now feel obliged to move or look weak to his people? And does yesterday's uh, attempt to repair the political damage oblige Joe Biden to respond disproportionately to anything? In other words, did did the whole thing get blown up yesterday? 
<laughs> two days ago. Uh, it, it's, it's a fair question. I, I don't think this changes Vladimir Putin's calculus materially. Uh, I think it, it reaffirms what he already knew. But he, his risk-benefit analysis probably didn't change us. I think he had a good handle on the fact that uh, his movement uh, will have a relatively safe space and is unlikely to meet steel until he's accomplished at least some, if not all, of the things he wants. Whether that's through rolling tanks and a motorized rifle division into Ukraine, if, if you think about the geography, you right, his, it's likely that what he would try to do is capture Odessa. Right, He would move to the west to try to cut off Ukraine, to cut it off from uh, having access to ports and waterways. It's thinkable that you could uh, see this, the troops that he's moved into Belarus. It's not far to Kaliningrad. For those listening, it's a, uh, an old Soviet vestige of a deal that was cut before uh, that sits astride uh, Europe. It's not far from western Belarus to, to make this trip along the Lithuanian border to get there. I think that's probably a bridge too far. But to hear President Biden say this is great and he now must do this, I think misses the point. Putin's going to do what makes sense for Vladimir Putin and his oligarchs, and he now believes he can do it against the United States that's not prepared to do the simple things of supporting our European allies in the region and providing the defensive weapon systems that the Ukrainians need will ultimately need to carry this fight. Uh, Mr. Secretary, I was on after the press conference with Brett Baer on Special Report, and I tried to, to indicate it's a major deal. I brought up Dean Acheson's January 1950 press club speech, which apparently green-lighted in the eyes of many North Korea's invasion of South Korea. Ambassador O'Brien on the show yesterday compared it to the July 25th meeting between Saddam Hussein and Ambassador April Glispie. What what do you think it is? Yeah, you can't clean this up, Hugh. Uh, I saw this in my four years as Secretary of State. The presidents speak. Their words are understood. When his team goes out afterwards and says, no, that's not what he means, they go back and watch the tape. We know precisely what President Biden was thinking and talking about there, and so does the entire world. It certainly has ramifications for the Ukrainian people, for the region, for our friends in Eastern Europe, Poland, and in the Baltics. But I think the whole world saw a president go on and said, look, there are things you can get away with now that you couldn't get away with a few years ago. And this portends real risk for the United States and our interests around the world as a result of this. You, you, you can't clean it up, Hugh. No, no chief of staff, no White House spokesperson, no... Uh, uh, off-the-record Deputy National Security Advisor can fix what the President of the United States told the world that day. Now, in minor incursion, in Putin's mind, do you think that would include Lithuania or the disputed portion? They're not in dispute, but Putin attempts to dispute the uh, uh, portions of the Baltic uh, borders. Do you think minor incursion encourages him to look there? <laughs> I don't think Vladimir Putin thinks in terms of minor or major incursion. <laughs> I think he sees it that way. He sees the dissolution of the Soviet Union as the greatest calamity of last century, and he's aiming to fix it. If he has to do so piecemeal and chunk by chunk, this will be his plan. And so it was Crimea uh, six years ago, and I think his efforts in the Donbass over the last years are continuing to lay the base. You see the troop movements. You see equipment moving in, the equipment moving in as well to uh, Belarus and into western Russia. This portends uh, Vladimir Putin, who has made a decision that he's going to push just as far as he can until he meets resistance. He doesn't say, I'm going to do a major incursion or a minor incursion. He says, I'm going to go achieve the imperialistic agenda that I have for my country. Now, we have to think about the Chinese Communist Party as well, Mr. Secretary, about Taiwan, about the Senkaku Islands, about islands off the Philippines that are part of the Philippines. Did that statement register in Beijing? This was my point about others around the world hearing this as well. Certainly the Chinese Communist Party would observe that. 
wouldn't surprise me at all if Chairman Kim observed that too and might decide to do what uh, they alluded to yesterday, go back to begin to test nuclear weapons. Again, a very dangerous thing to the United States of America. Certainly every authoritarian regime, whether it's the Ayatollah, who is still sitting with our team in Vienna, in spite of the fact he's now fired rockets uh, at places that many Americans are in Abu Dhabi, ballistic missiles into our friend and ally, uh, the United Arab Emirates. Now, these, um, these authoritarian thugs understand one thing. They understand power. Deterrence can only be achieved through strength. And when you see a president say, this is a minor incursion, and gosh, we know, we know he has to do something now to save face, suggesting somehow that the United States would permit this in order to allow Vladimir Putin to save face, right? This is, it, it, the, the implication was, Hugh, that this was inevitable, right? That Vladimir Putin had to do this, and gosh darn it, who are we to stop him from this inevitability? Uh, this, uh, is, uh, this is not the kind of talk United States presidents engage in when deterrence is the objective. There's a famous quote, a small country far away and a people about whom we know little. That's Neville Chamberlain describing the giveaway of Czechoslovakia to Hitler in, uh, in the Munich negotiation. Is there an air of appeasement about this administration? We've seen it on multiple fronts, whether it was the way in which Afghanistan was abandoned uh, to leave 13 Americans dead and many Americans still behind. Uh, we've certainly seen that with respect to what happened when the Russians shut down our pipelines in Southeast United States, when Russian hackers from their own country did that. We, we appeased. We said, don't do that again. Uh, we gave the Russians uh, a treaty without asking for anything to start. We allowed them to build out, without being sanctioned, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, gaining power over Germany, which in the end is the mission statement for Vladimir Putin. He, he will try to strike the fear of God in Germany so that Germany will muck up a NATO response to his efforts in Ukraine. Uh, yes, I think it's absolutely the case that you can feel an administration not prepared to do the things one needs to do to uh, deter, and that is the inverse of appeasement. At the conclusion of the presser, a, a frazzled and dismayed president who was quite clearly desperate to turn around the conversation said this. Cut number 45, please. I wonder what would be the Republican platform right now? What do you think? What do you think their position on taxes are? What do you think their position on, on human rights is? I dropped my pen right there, Mr. Secretary, and I know at CavPAC.com you talk about human rights. What was your position on human rights? Certainly it wasn't giving away Ukraine or going to the Chinese Olympic genocide games. We defended the uh, Orthodox Church in Ukraine. We defended uh, the Patriarchate in Turkey. We declared the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to co-opt the Catholic Church and conduct genocide in this country. We were... We were proud that we worked on defending the rights of every individual around the world. It doesn't mean putting thousands of soldiers in lots of places, Hugh. It means establishing a benchmark for what America will do to protect not only those people, but the United States itself. Secretary Mike Pompeo, thank you for joining me. To thank follow you, you. What, Have a great day, sir. You too. To follow what Secretary Pompeo is doing, go to CavPAC.com. You get updates there every day. People ask me where he is. He's at CAVPAC, working for American security every day, CAVPAC.com. I'll be right back, America. Stay tuned. Welcome back, America. Hugh Hewitt live in California this morning, talking with United States Senator Rick Scott, represents the great state of Florida. He's also chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, regular guest on the show. Senator Scott, welcome back. Good morning to you. Well, good morning, Hugh. Every month, Biden goes down and the, our chances of taking the Senate go back up. I agree with that. I want to get into that. I want to start, though, with something about which you'll have unique knowledge. 
the press has been floating the idea that the governor you work with, Ron DeSantis, is your friend, and the former president that you know and visit at Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump, are having a war. And so President Trump went on Hannity last night and said this, cut number 37. Well, he is right. I get along great with Ron. Ron was very good on the Mueller hoax. He was uh, he was right up front, along with Jim Jordan and all of the rest of them. They were fantastic. The Republicans really stuck together, and it was a great thing. And Ron was one of them. And Ron wanted to run, and I endorsed him, and that helped him greatly. And uh, he went on, and he's done a really terrific job in, in Florida. And I think, you know, Ron has been... Very good. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. It's totally fake news. I think Ron said last week, he said it very publicly, he says, the press is never going to get in the middle of my friendship with Donald Trump. Senator Scott, is those, there were more than one reports of that feud. Are they fake news? You know, I've, you know, I've never, I talked to both of them and it's never come up in any of those conversations. And so I've never I've never seen it. Um, I hope it's not true, and I don't. I don't believe it's true. So, but you, you know, you, you have to listen, talk to both of them. But I've, it's never come up in my conversation. Every time I'm talking to the president, uh, he's helping me. You know, he's saying, "What can I do to make sure you get the Senate back?" And I, I just believe that the media. No, this is my conviction. The media knows that Joe Biden is toast. That your committee and the House counterpart are going to win in the fall. And so they're trying to drum up Donald Trump's stories, even if they have to make up conversations in order to support them. You think I'm on the mark? You know, I think you are. You, I mean, I, it never comes up in my conversations. All right. Um, so. Let's go to the consequences of that disastrous presser on Wednesday. First of all, were you watching it live or did you have to read about it later, Senator Rick Scott? Well, we we were in the, in the middle of... Um, Working on voting, uh, where they were, you know, remember they were working on getting rid of the filibusters so they could pass the radical agenda. Schumer was in the Senate, so that's why my focus was. But I read about it and I watched it afterwards. And uh, Joe Biden is a clown. He, he's completely incompetent. He has no plan to deal with anything. He'll pass the buck constantly. Like he's not responsible for inflation, even though he's the one who shut down the Keystone Pipeline. He's the one who's done nothing. His, his team has done nothing to deal with the supply chain. His group is the one that get paid people, you know, more money to not work than to work. But he's not has any responsibility for that. He's never responsible for the Afghanistan debacle. He's not responsible for anything, and he has no plan. They don't do anything. Now, in that press conference, he decided to attack Republicans. I want to play for you. Cut forty-five. Wonder what would be the Republican platform right now. What do you think? What do you think their position on taxes are? What do you think their position on on human rights? So, Senator Rick Scott, you're out with all of our candidates. I couldn't believe he teed that up for you that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Their plan, Biden, Schumer, Pelosi's plan, has been devastating for this country. You look at an open, completely open border. 100,000 people died of drug overdose. China's threatening Taiwan. Russia's on the border of Ukraine. Gas prices up, food prices, shelves empty. I mean, you see all these things, and he wants to just attack uh, Republicans. He's the president. He's responsible. When I was governor of Florida, whatever happened, you had to take responsibility, and you had to solve it. But he has never in his life taken any responsibility, and the Democrats, they're, they're in la-la land. 
I mean, they're the anti-democracy party. All they want to do is play politics and steal elections. They have also become, incredibly to me, Senator Scott, the anti-parent party. In Virginia, school boards are rejecting the new governor, Glenn Youngkin's, uh, executive order offering parental choice. Some school districts are considering increasing the quarantine of children. The devastation of children through this COVID has not registered on the Democratic Party at the local, the state, or the national level. Are you advising the candidates you're helping get ready for the fall to concentrate on parental rights and children rights? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, Hugh, I think one of the reasons why we're going to win is that parents are going to be involved in these school board races. It was always hard to raise money, get people active in school board races. Not now. All across this country, people are saying that those people have an impact on my kids' future. And I'm not going to let these incompetent people that are controlled by the teachers' union run my kids' life and ruin my kids' ability to get a good education because every parent knows that the future is their kids' education. And so I think it's going to I think we're going to have unbelievable turnover in in scoreboards and it's going to help Republicans win all across uh, the board in the House and the Senate all across the board. This time and people are going to be active in these school board races. Now, Senator Rick Scott, I believe, but I won't know until November, that the Democrats attempt to kill the filibuster was understood by the public to be a radical and destabilizing move to undo the nature of the Senate that has grown up over 120 years. I believe that Mark Kelly in Arizona voting to kill the filibuster, Michael Bennett in Colorado voting to kill the filibuster, Cortez Masto in Las Vegas, Warnick in Georgia, Hassan in New Hampshire, all voting to kill the filibuster, make those five senators vulnerable. Do you agree with me? Absolutely. I, th- I think what everybody is seeing is the Democrats have become the anti-democracy party. They're, they have become very radical. They're controlled by the teachers' union. They're controlled by the most radical left part of their party. I mean, Schumer's case, he's scared to death that AOC will run against him in a primary. But the others, I, I don't get it. Mark Kelly, is that still a re- Arizona is still a Republican state. Cortez Masto is already behind in the polls. Hassam is behind in the polls. Warnick is behind in the polls. I mean, we, we have every reason to believe we can win those four states, plus we can win in Colorado. We've got a great candidate in the state of Washington. And there's a poll out that, that Murray, who's been there forever, the Democrat in, in the state of Washington, is only up three points with a generic Republican. And we've got a great Republican running there, Tiffany Smiley. So can, let's walk through each of these. Let's go to Arizona. Uh, the primary won't be until late, but Mark Kelly defined himself as radical in contrast to his other state senator, Senator Sinema, also a Democrat who rejected the effort to undermine the Senate's stability. Does Mark Kelly survive that lurch to the left? No. I mean, let's remember, this is still a Republican state, right? This is, and Mark Kelly promised he was a moderate. Now he votes 100% with Chuck Schumer. He does everything Chuck Schumer tells him to do. So we're going to get a great candidate out of the out of the primary. We've got a lot of good people running. And so it'll be a tough race, but we're going to win there. If you just think about it, look at that generic ballot across the country. People are rejecting the Democrats. So our job is just to explain that Mark Kelly is actually a Democrat. He's not a moderate. He's not an independent. He's a, he's a, he's a far-left you know, Chuck Schumer, Democrat. That's not going to play well in Arizona. Let's talk now about Las Vegas and Nevada. Uh, John Ralston, who I like a lot. Uh, he used to be a reporter. He is now obviously an advocate and is cheerleading Cortez Masto and slagging on Adam Laxalt, who he has a vendetta against. 
Uh, he said yesterday online or the day before that Cortez Masto had dramatically outraised Adam Laxalt. I'm not sure what he means by dramatically outraised. What's the situation in Nevada? It doesn't matter. I mean, the problem that Cortez Masto has is she's Chuck Schumer. So you, when you vote for Cortez Masto, you're voting for Chuck Schumer in Nevada. That's not what they want right now. Right now, we are, we're already beating Cortez Masto. When you look at the even the, even the public polls that are out there, um, we're you know a Republican is winning, and so we, there's no reason we shouldn't win in Nevada. Also, they were, they're rejecting Cortez Masto, and, and they're I mean they're sick. People are sick and tired of just go through it. I mean. She votes for an open border. She votes to close schools. She, no, she won't stand up to Biden on anything. She just, whatever Chuck Schumer says, yes, sir, that's how she votes. Now, Senator Warnick went with President Biden to Atlanta to give now the infamous speech in which he compared you and me and everybody listening to this show and everyone who wants local control of elections to Bull Connor, George Wallace, and Jefferson Davis. He tried to apologize, but then doubled down in his press conference. Is Raphael Warnick underwater and is Herschel uh, Walker beating him in trial heats? Absolutely. First first off, let's remember, I think all those individuals they were talking about were Democrats. Um, So Democrats are the ones that wanted to limit the vote of African-Americans in this country. So Herschel Walker is already beating Warnick. Uh, We released a poll uh, in December. Uh, Herschel's running a very good race. He still, you know, he still has a primary, but he's way ahead. Uh, so he's already had a warning. Warnick is sort of the Doug Jones of this cycle. He's he, you know, Georgia, Georgia is still going to go Republican. Um, and, you know, we have a governor's race. We have a Senate race, primary. We're going to we're going to do really well uh, in Georgia. It's still a Republican state. Take me up to New Hampshire. You wanted Governor Sununu. The president actually read Governor Sununu's comments. I don't know if that's going to be an issue in the campaign. But will you have a great candidate in New Hampshire? And is Hassan, Senator Hassan, looking weak? So Hassan's already underwater. She's been running ads since uh, September to try to move her her numbers up. It's not working uh, because she's a, she's voting 100% with Chuck Schumer. I mean, you don't elect Chuck Schumer and Chris Sununu in the same state. Just stop and think about it like that. So we've got uh, General Don Boldeck already in the race. Uh, it looks like uh, the state senator Chuck Morse is going to get in the race. The Londonbury Township manager Kevin Smith is looking at the race, and there's others. Uh, so we're going to have the here's the, here's the uh, here's some people think it's a negative or primary slate, but what's going to happen is it's going to give us way more press, and and you know and, and Hassan's not going to get better. She's not going to she's defined. It's very difficult for for people where in as bad a shape as Hassan is in to change her numbers. So my last question is about Colorado, because Michael Bennett, I didn't have him on my list of vulnerables, but Joe Biden is so bad. The numbers are so terrible for Democrats. And then Michael Bennett voted to undo the filibuster, which is radical. Do you have a candidate out there who can beat him? Well, first off, as Cory Gardner was running this year, um, you know, we would clearly win. Absolutely. We've got uh, Eli Brimmers in the race, you know, uh, Campania's in the race. Um, you know, it looks like there might be some other people getting in the race. Uh, so I think we have a great, great opportunity. The Bennett has got a lackluster image. I mean, people don't even know who he is. Uh, he ran for president. People even know, don't know that. He huh. voted the wrong way. Uh, so, I mean, I think we have every reason to believe we can win. When you, you go back and you look, I mean, look, any state that Biden won by less than 10 points is a battleground state now. That's, that's how bad the Democrats are going. Just look at Virginia and look at New Jersey. In New Jersey, we almost won the governor's race and didn't spend any money. 
So we have every reason to believe. I was with Kevin McCarthy. The House is going to do a great job. They're going to get, take back the House. As they get those votes out, it's going to help us win Senate races. Senator Rick Scott, it is always great to go over the map with you. Thank you for making time for me. Senator Rick Scott of Florida is leading the NRSC effort across the country, working harder than any man I know in D.C. Rick Scott. I mean, it's like 25 hours a day with the guy. Thank you, Senator. Morning, glory, America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. Beginning hour number three today with former National Security Advisor to President Donald Trump, Ambassador Robert C. O'Brien. Good morning, Mr. Ambassador. Thanks for joining me early this morning. Great to be back with you, Hugh. I want to cover three things with you in in quick order. What does minor incursion mean? What about the gossip about President Trump and Ron DeSantis? And then the bill about big tech that caught my eye in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Let's start with clip number 38, Joe Biden yesterday, the president. Oh, I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. All right, Ambassador O'Brien, that's a new category of international aggression. What is a minor incursion? Does it include China swallowing Taiwan? Does it include Russia invading Lithuania? Does it include the Senkaku Islands of the Aleutian Islands for that? What's a minor incursion? Well, it was clearly a mistake by the president. Uh, The White House has walked it back. Uh, it reminded me of the, the comments that Ambassador uh, April Gillespie made to Saddam Hussein back in July 1990, which Saddam interpreted as a green light to invade. So the, these words have consequences in international diplomacy. I'm sure folks in Kiev are, uh, are quite concerned. Uh, but I, I think the White House is trying to walk it back so that it, it's not viewed as a green light for Putin to, to send his little green men or engage in cyber attacks or, or even engage in uh, in limited conventional attacks against Ukraine, that would be a disaster. And, and I, I don't think that's what the White House wanted. I don't think that's what the president wanted. Uh, but it was clearly a, uh, a major mistake that now needs to be remedied. Now, uh, Mr. Ambassador, you were in the White House as the National Security Advisor for almost two years. Ukraine is an ally of ours, right? They fought alongside of our, uh, us in Iraq and Afghanistan. They are an ally. They're not a member of NATO, but they're an ally that we threw under the bus. No, they're, they're a friend, and, and what we need to do now, uh, the Russians are going to be very carefully watching what we do, not so much what we say. And, and so there, there are a number of steps that we can take. I've talked about this publicly. We need to move a uh, significant numbers of troops out of Germany and put them in Poland uh, and, and reassure not just Ukraine, but reassure our, our NATO allies of the, in the Baltics and Poland and Romania and Bulgaria and uh, Hungary that we're there for them. And uh, the Germans can defend themselves. They're a rich, powerful country. They don't need as many U.S. troops garrisoned there. We need to get some to uh, Poland. And this is a wake-up call for Germany. They need to they need to show what side they're on. Uh, I was heartened to see the Brits send eight C-17 flights this week uh, full of, uh, of weapons to Ukraine. Uh, but unfortunately, they did not fly over Germany. They, they took a circuitous route. So we don't know if the Germans stopped them from flying over or not. And then finally, we need to, we need to let Putin know the type of sanctions that will uh, – that'll hit the Russians if they do engage in any type of activity, minor or otherwise. And uh, I mean, we ought to seize the soccer teams of his oligarchs and their yachts overseas and I mean, let them litigate for years to try and get those back. Uh, if they invade Ukraine, we have to cut them off from the SWIFT system and close down Nord Stream 2 and, and basically kick them out of the uh, the international economy and let the Russians play junior partner to the, the Chinese, their only, their only real ally. And, and, and Vladimir Putin is not going to like to be Xi Jinping's uh, uh, junior partner in that relationship. So we, we need to let the Russians know how, how brutal this will be for their economy and 
for those standing in the world if they invade Ukraine. I love clarity. Clarity is refreshing. Question number two. There is gossip that President Trump is angry with Governor Ron DeSantis. You are the only person I know who has been to Mar-a-Lago since the election, who talks to the former president regularly, and who saw Governor DeSantis with the president in the White House. When you have been to Mar-a-Lago, when you have talked to the president, has he thrown any shade on Governor DeSantis? No, I, I've never heard any such thing. Uh, the president, Governor Santos, always had a strong relationship. My guess is this is fake news coming from the media that's trying to stir up some sort of uh, controversy that doesn't exist. Uh, during during our time in office, uh, when I saw the president with Governor DeSantis dealing with COVID and, and running for re-election, they always got along uh, very well and, and were, were quite cordial with each other. As the president's pointed out in the past, he helped get uh, Governor DeSantis elected uh, to his current position. So... I, I think there's a, a strong relationship there, and uh, and I, you know, Donald J. Trump is the leader of the GOP at this point, and I'm sure Governor DeSantis recognizes that. The members of the House and Senate do, and uh, so so I think this is a little bit of a, a fake news story, in my view. Not a fake news story is a bill being pushed by Senator Klobuchar of Minnesota and Grassley of Iowa that would lead to the breakup of big tech. Now, I'm very ambivalent about big tech. I want an American national security representative in every board meeting. I want to know what they're doing and what they're making. I'm not sure we need to break them up. You are a national security specialist. What do you think about this bill? Well, look, I wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal uh, about 10 days ago, uh, and I understand people on our base are very angry at big tech companies, and they've got good reason to with censorship and privacy issues. Uh, the fact that the President Trump was was taken off uh, some of the social media platforms and yet terrorists and autocrats are left on. I mean, that that's terrible. We need to deal with it. But we're on the verge with this Klobuchar bill of giving the Chinese Communist Party a huge gift. I mean, I, they can't believe it. They're watching us. This is an own goal that is, is bigger, bigger than the WTO admission. Uh, Senator Klobuchar's bill would totally uh, hammer and break up these, these massive companies that are engaged in research on AI, on quantum, on machine learning uh, at scale. I mean, they're the only ones who can do it. If you break up these companies into a bunch of small little companies, A, we're not going to get them back, and B, we're not going to get the private research and development that's keeping us ahead, either even or ahead of the Chinese. So, uh, and, and by the way, these bills do nothing to the Chinese and European tech companies. So uh, th- th- this, would, this would take a sledgehammer to our most innovative companies when what we need is a regulatory scalpel that ensures the First Amendment uh, uh, you know, if the, if the Democrats are serious about protecting America from from big tech, they ought to be banning TikTok and Tencent and WeChat uh, and and Alibaba from from U.S. apps, just like India did. India banned 300 Chinese apps from from India. Uh, President Trump tried to do that with TikTok, uh, but what we've got we've now got a bill that's going to kill American tech companies and 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 take away our R and D lead and yet leave TikTok and Tencent and the, and the Chinese Communist Party to, to rule the tech world. It just makes no sense. Now, I have uh, sat down with Mark Zuckerberg. I know you know a lot of big tech people as well, uh, the titans of big tech. But I sat down with, with Zuckerberg. It's not off the record. And I asked him bluntly, are you and is Facebook a patriot? And he was actually taken aback and he said, of course we are and I am. And he went through a list of things at DARPA and other places that big tech is working on. I am only concerned about big tech insofar as they are on our side in the struggle with the Chinese Communist Party, with Russia and our other adversaries, including global terrorist organizations. Do you think they are? I think they are, but I think there's more that can be done. I mean, we're, the, the good news is we're seeing the big tech companies start to compete for Pentagon contracts, which they hadn't done in the past, uh, certainly with uh, companies like uh, Microsoft and uh, uh, and uh, Google and 
you know, we're, we're, we're seeing uh, uh, some really impressive technology coming out on quantum, coming out of uh, places like Google and Silicon Valley. Uh, but, but we need to make sure they stay on side. The other thing we need to do is we need the DOJ and our immigration officials to ensure that, that uh, you know, Chinese citizens, especially former members or current members of the People's Liberation Army and People's Liberation Army Navy, aren't getting jobs with these tech companies and, and, and stealing from the inside. So we've got to be very careful about the, the threat from not, not, not patriotic, uh, uh, you know, God-fearing Americans of Chinese descent, but of, but of actual Chinese communists who get into our universities or, or get into these companies and then exploit the, the technology and send it back to Beijing. We need to make sure the FBI and the DOJ is, is all over that, uh, that situation as well. But I think generally the, the U.S. tech companies, with a couple of exceptions of companies that are making more money or as much money in China as they are here, are patriotic. They want to do the right thing for this country. But, uh, but look, we've got to address the legitimate concerns of, uh, on privacy and, and, and how our data is being used. We've got to certainly address the issue of censorship on these platforms. And, and those are real issues that have our, you know, on the Republican side, have our base really upset with these companies. We need to deal with that. But, but breaking them up and, and seeding the field to, to Beijing and and letting Beijing take over big tech worldwide is just not the answer. I always disclose, I own Amazon and Palantir. They're the only two stocks I own. So people can judge for themselves. I don't think I have a conflict of interest because it doesn't matter that much to me. But what matters to me is that the national security of the United States not be injured by whatever happens in the big tech arena. Does the Klobuchar-Grassley bill injure national security? In my view, it absolutely does. It, it, it hobbles. The, the companies that, that have the scale to do the AI and quantum and machine learning research that we need done as a, as a country to stay ahead of the Chinese, and it leaves the field wide open for, for Beijing-based, communist-controlled uh, companies to, to take over worldwide tech. And, and by the way, when you talk about uh, you know, patriotic companies, Palantir is a great company that uh, it's, it was founded by Peter Thiel, who's a friend of yours and mine, and uh, and is a great patriot, um, and, and and that company is doing tremendous work with our law enforcement and intelligence uh, agencies and, and the Pentagon. So so there are great great American tech companies that are really uh, pulling the oars in the in the uh, in the big power competition that we're engaged in right now. Ambassador O'Brien, I know you're on the West Coast. Thank you for getting up early. Minor incursion, gossip about the president, Ron DeSantis, big tech, all in ten minutes. I appreciate it. That's why you were the National Security Advisor and very good at it. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. You'll be able to um, get more of my trenchant analysis tonight on Special Report. This is a trip or lighter for me. I'm doing Special Report three nights in a row. Uh, we'll be talking about minor incursion. During the break, I sent a note off to former Secretary of State Pompeo asking him to come on the show tomorrow morning to discuss the press conference. And he replied, of course, done. I'll make a minor appearance on your show tomorrow, which is... Uh, Senator Bill Haggerty joins me now. If it wasn't so tragic, it would be pretty funny, Senator. Uh, what is a minor uh, incursion? <laughs> you know, it, it's basically a, a pretext. It's an excuse for the fact that he's not going to do anything about Russia's buildup in the Ukrainian border. It's just as, it's the equivalent of an invitation from the way I read it. I watched that in great pain, you great pain watching that press conference yesterday evening. Well, I, I thought immediately it's a new category of aggression. I mean, if China launches at Taiwan, is it a minor incursion? If they take the Senkaku Islands, is that a minor incursion, Senator? You were the ambassador to Japan. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Kim Jong-un and, and Xi Jinping just both went to the dictionary to try to figure out what that meant they could do. 
uh, with respect to Taiwan, with respect to anywhere in, in, in the region for Kim Jong-un. I'm sure the Iranians don't care, uh, but it's just amazing that uh, we are continuing to speak from a position of weakness. He's, he's deploying a policy of maximum deference rather than the maximum pressure policies of the previous administration. I'm sure Secretary Pompeo will talk about that tomorrow. Now, your colleague, uh, Senator Paul, was on last hour. Now, he's a doctor. His bedside manner must be one hell of a thing to behold because he said on the show, the president is dangerous. We're stuck with him till 2024, but it would be best if they just kept him out of sight. What do you think about that? (laughs) Well, um, I think it would certainly be best for the Democrats you know, Biden said yesterday in his press conference that he was going to be out hoping the ticket in 2022, working hard to get Democrats elected. Well, look at what happened in Georgia. Stacey Abrams wouldn't be seen on stage. Exactly. Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Exactly. Last night, you saved the Senate. You and, and 49 other Republicans, Senator Sinema and Senator Manchin, saved the Senate, the legislative filibuster. Uh, Robert Reich, a former labor secretary under Bill Clinton, tweeted out, that you all lined up and shook hands with Senator Sinema and Manchin, and a Democratic senator should give the back of their hands to Senator Sinema. That he deleted, because obviously it makes light of violence against women. What do you make of the madness that has descended on the left wing of the, of the Democratic Party online and in the Senate? You, it's this entire cancel culture that pervades them. Uh, you know, the far left have just hijacked the Democrat Party. They've pulled any sense of moderation out. Uh, I, I hope to see any moderate Democrats that can't find a home with, with, with that party because they've lost it to join us on the Republican side. But it's just gotten beyond comprehension. I, I, I found it interesting yesterday in the press conference that Joe Biden tried to distance himself from Bernie Sanders. He actually stated he was a capitalist. Well, I'm having a hard time squaring those two statements, but uh, it, it really is, uh, it is amazing that, quote, Democrat leaders like Reich and others uh, have taken such such a left, hard left view and are willing to destroy anybody in their path who don't agree with them. That speech that Biden gave down in Atlanta was a prime example of their willingness to demonize anyone that uh, that, that doesn't uh, fully go along with their policies. And their Senator, what did, what did you make? You were a diplomat, so you're used to kind of un, unwinding uh, tortured sentences. But he said, I didn't say it, but then he said it again. The Atlanta speech, the Martin Luther the King, Bull Connor slur on Republicans. Yeah. Uh, he said it again in the press conference after saying he didn't say it. What do you make of that? I, I, I think that our adversaries watch this, you know, this this performance, and they really wonder about the competence and the capability of this president. Uh, I don't know if he remembers what he said in Atlanta, and I don't know if the, if the teleprompter is working fast enough. Um, it, it's amazing though that he is willing to demonize us in that way. When he said that, again, another blatant misrepresentation, uh, you know, he's willing to demagogue us and say, really calling us domestic enemies if we don't agree with him, Uh, an enemy of the state, uh, as as opposed to saying, look, people have different opinions, using the powers of persuasion. Again, they're using thuggery. Reich is a good example of it. Again, they want to cancel you. They want to thug, you know, they they want to basically silence anyone that disagrees with them. I got a question from my friend, Jonathan Bach. Now that the bailed back better and the voting rights bill have flamed out, can you name any initiative or goal the Biden administration wants to focus on next? I can't name a single one. How's that for terrible communication? What is their goal? I mean, what you got a minute, Senator Haggerty? Well, you know, last night he said that he had the most successful presidency on record. And I think that probably is true if you 
view creating crises as success. But whether it's the destruction of our southern border, the destruction of our energy independence, the creation of inflation that we haven't seen in 40 years, crime on the, on the rampage. You know, you think about what's happened around the world, Hugh, whether it's the Russians on the border of Ukraine, whether it's what Iran is doing in the Middle East, China, the Indo-Pacific, North Korea. It is just amazing the litany of failures. And he has not been able to articulate a single positive piece of momentum that they've undertaken last night. Some of my colleagues try to say, well, they had been attending to the economy because they passed that $1.9 trillion so-called pandemic relief package back in March. Well, we don't have test kits. We don't have, uh, we don't have therapies. And we have rampant inflation as a result. Uh, uh, Ten seconds, Senator. If you were Japan, would you be worried about the Senkaku Islands today? You were the ambassador there. Uh, I think their, their concerns are increasing by the day, and they need strong America to help well, well, well the threat. They're not seeing it right. Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee, thank you. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, live from the West Coast today. I'm joined by Senator Marsha Blackburn from the Volunteer State. Good morning, Senator. Always a pleasure to have you back. It is good to be with you. Thank you so much. Now, I want to talk to you about a lot of things. I want to start with what happened in the Senate last night. First of all, now that the Build Back Better and the the voting takeover bills have been defeated, can you tell me what single initiative is left of the Biden administration that is that's even being talked about? Uh, pretty much everything has been defeated. And, Hugh, it is because Republicans have stuck together, but also the American people have supported us in pushing back on this agenda. They didn't want Build Back Better. They are frustrated with COVID. They have looked at what was happening with inflation and have said, no, we're on the wrong track. And so yesterday, of course, we had Democrats join with us, and we were able to defeat this. Now, last night, former Clinton Secretary of Labor and Harvard professor Robert Reich tweeted out, Tonight, Republican senators lined up to shake Kirsten Sinema's hand. Democratic senators should have given her the backs of their hands. After withering criticism for apparently encouraging violence against women, he deleted that tweet. What do you make of that tweet by Robert Reich? It shows you that he is part of this cabal behind the curtain that is pushing forward very vigorously this socialist agenda and they know they have a very narrow window to push this through they're fully aware of that and Hugh what they're trying to do is get to the radical transformation of America which is what Barack Obama told us he wanted to do once he had been inaugurated and they weren't able to accomplish it during his presidency. They thought they were going to get Clinton and be able to complete it then, and they didn't. They got Trump, and so now they think, okay, we've got two years to take control of your kids, of their education, of your small business, put the IRS in charge of your bank account, get the Green New Deal in place, uh, open up our borders and have a borderless society. These are all their goals that they've been working on for a very long time. And they were so close to hitting utopia with Obama. And now they think between now and November, we've got to do this. And 
they're not going to get the elevated spending levels they wanted. The people do not want to federalize elections. They do not want to make D.C. a state. And they're pushing back on this. And so I think there is a good bit of frustration from the Democrats. It's like, okay, we tried it once and we missed. We're trying it a second time, and it appears that we're going to miss. So what are they going to do? Now they'll go back to trying to do all of this and accomplish their agenda by executive order. Now, Senator, in the press conference yesterday by the president, which was a disaster for our ally Ukraine, they're not a member of NATO, but they're our ally. They fought with us in Afghanistan and Iraq. They are our ally, and he threw them under Putin's bus. Your colleague, Senator Paul, said last hour on this show that the country is in danger when the president appears in public and that it would be best, we're stuck with him until 2024, if he just did not appear in public. Do you agree with that? What we do know is when Joe Biden goes out here and tries to speak on the world stage, and yesterday the press conference was abysmal. He invited Ukraine to go in to, I mean, invited Russia to go into Ukraine by saying, you know, it's up to Vladimir Putin if he is going to invade Ukraine. He seemed to have no awareness of what was going on with the American people with inflation, even saying grocery store shelves were full. They were not there. I was in my grocery store in my community on Friday night. There were no avocados, no berries, no lettuce, no celery. The stores are not full. And then he said nothing about the border, if you can imagine that. So what does that tell the cartels? It says, hey, this guy's not paying attention to the border, so let's go. Let's uh, keep pushing these drugs into the country because he's basically, we're looking at cartels being in charge of the border on the Mexico side of that border and the lack of understanding of supply chain of that this is an urgent issue that needs his immediate attention. And the Longshoremen's Union needs to be working 24-7 in order to get these ships into port and get them and get them unloaded. But the thing is, our adversaries hear this. This is not good for us. Our allies are listening to this. Imagine if you're Taiwan and you heard that press conference yesterday and on the question about Russia and Ukraine, the president says, well, you know, that's up to Russia. What kind of message does this send to Ukraine, our ally, as you said, to Taiwan, our ally, to the Hong Kong freedom fighters and the human rights activists over in China? who were looking at him not protecting those freedom fighters or the Tibetans or the Mongolians or calling out uh, the CCP for the genocide against the Uyghurs. These are things that do not help us in the cause for freedom and do not help our standing in the world. Let's talk a bit about the media for a moment. Peter Ducey asked the president bluntly, why are you trying to drag the country to the left? And the president said, oh, not me. I'm a moderate. You're Michelle Cinder. Who's a friend of mine. I like you, Misha. I saw her not long ago at, at Reagan. She's the anchor and moderator of Washington Week on PBS, and she contributes at NBC News. I did meet the press with her many times. She tweeted after that press conference, President Biden, in the longest news conference in presidential history, 
made news, pushed back on his critics, called out lies, took responsibility for mistakes he believes he made, expressed surprise at the GOP, talked foreign policy, and didn't lash out on reporters. Quite the change. What do you make of that tweet? Uh, well, that is called tie, trying to tie it up and put a bow on it in the manner that you want. But that's not what the American people heard as they watched that press conference. I think they were shocked because he has pushed the country so far left. And Democrats know this. You, I've got Democrat friends that talk to me regularly about how concerned they are because they're looking at energy costs. They are looking at inflation. They're looking at crime in the streets. They're concerned about the open border. They're concerned about drugs that are flooding into the communities, uh, children that are dying. They smoke marijuana. It's laced with fentanyl. They die. Uh, they're concerned about that. They're concerned about Afghanistan and how we're going to continue to get people out. They can't believe. You know, we've got a lot of military presence in Tennessee, and there are people that fought in Afghanistan. They cannot believe we left people behind. And now you have former military trying to pull together the money and work with the PACs or the Uzbeks or somebody and help get them out. Uh, And they're just astounded that this administration has been so callous and uncaring when it comes to protecting the American people and being true to our allies. I I agree. And and Yamisha was obviously trying to dress up a disaster. But when she said he didn't lash out on reporters, she's ignoring when the president actually yelled at the reporter who asked him about, was it wise to label you and every one of your Republican colleagues, Bull Connor, and Jefferson Davis and George Wallace. And the president got mad and said, I didn't say it. Then he turned around and said it again, that, you you know, it'll be indelible mark in history. Uh, what is wrong yeah, with the it's president? Astounding. It's astounding. And people heard that. He doubled down. You're right about that. And people heard that. They've seen these clips. But bear in mind that the media, the mainstream media, Some of these reporters are so far in the tank with the Democrats that they cannot get themselves out. You know, there's a great country song that James Dean Hicks wrote. It's called called The Hole. And the essence of the song is, when you're in a hole, stop digging. Well, if I had a producer, we'd play that for you. You're right. The reporter should stop digging. I'm going to be on special report tonight after Leader McConnell is on with Brett Baer. I expect he will come and bounce the rubble. Did you talk with the leader after you worked with him and the other Republican Senator Sinema and Manchin to save the Senate last night? Did you speak with him? I have not spoken with him. I didn't speak with him last night. I will tell you this, that... We are grateful that Manchin and Cinema are listening to the people who elected them, who sent them to D.C. to represent them. Uh, they are voting that way. They have stood with their promise not to nuke the filibuster and to do away with the rules of the Senate. Um, I saw Manchin and Cinema each last night. I have expressed my appreciation 
and of course that we are we fully appreciate what they are up against we know it's tough and just as they have stood with us and the senate rules we will stand with them so a last question senator blackburn uh, a lot of critics online of republicans say that leader mcconnell and the republicans will turn around with the next republican president and break the filibuster they say that despite leader mcconnell defending the filibuster through the four years of president trump when president trump wanted to break it Will you go on the record and say the filibuster is a good thing and you will never vote to break it? It is hard for me to imagine breaking the filibuster. And, of course, you know, Hugh, I was in the House, and I'm one of those that got so frustrated with the Senate. We would work to get bipartisan agreement on something, and it would not move forward in the Senate. And I fully appreciate that frustration when you're trying to get things done and you are stymied by a Senate that is moving so slowly. As we have seen this year with Build Back Better, with the increased spending, with the, the way the Democrats have tried to force the issue of busting the filibuster so they can pack the courts and federalize elections and add D.C. statehood and force the Green New Deal, the filibuster is what has helped us to protect the American people from this extreme radical leftist agenda. Senator Blackburn, thank you for joining me. Always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Good day to you. Well done last night. That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com